You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday and it's the first Wednesday of the new year that is populated by Wayne McCurry. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. Welcome back, Wayne. It's too late now to say Happy New Year, so I won't. But I do want to ask you one thing. Do you, do you remember when you first started in the business? You used to go away for a couple of weeks at, at Christmas and New Year, and you would come back and say to everybody, OK, team, what's been happening? You don't do that anymore. There's no element of surprise when you turn on your screen after a holiday these days, because you're, you're keeping in touch anyway, aren't you? Yeah, no, you're up to date every day. Well, more or less up to date every day. Yeah, yeah there wasn't an, an enormous amount to get on with, apart from what we were already used to. But I did turn on my screen for the first couple of days of trading in uh, in January a couple of weeks ago now, and I saw one day when the all share was up nearly 4%. Okay, probably thin conditions and probably people just having some fun with the market. But since then, it uh, hasn't been particularly good. No, not at all. It's reversed. All of those nice gains we saw in December mm. on the back of the Federal Reserve speech, the so-called pivot speech, and that's really given essentially it all back and has given it all back on the rand as well. So it has not been a good start to the year, to be honest. No, it hasn't. And it's also, to be honest, not what I expect. I didn't expect the massive bull market to continue, but it has actually been quite weak so far this year. I'm just calling up a graph here. Just hang on one second. I was looking at the, while, you, while you're doing that, I was looking at the resources. I was looking at the resources index. And after, as I said, that great start, yeah. it's suddenly come back again. I don't know if it's China figures or if it's the, the fact that interest rates maybe aren't going to come down as quickly as many people were forecasting at the end of last year. What's your interpretation? Well, look, it's, it's essentially back where it was the beginning of November when it was still... The narrative was uh, higher for longer, you know, maybe still one more interest rate increase on the cards, etc., etc. Then that all reversed out specifically in uh, December and the market went, well, let's actually talk the resource index because that's the most important one in this context. Yes. You know, the resource index uh, had a tremendous run up when it went from 50,000 to 60,000. So, that's 20% in December, but now it's back where it was sort of end of November and on a low point for, well, I think the last, essentially on the low point for five years. Yeah, I've got... 50, so we're back to where we started. Yeah, I've got 50,680-odd on, on my screen at the moment. When I see that, it, it went up very quickly, came down very quickly as well. So it was almost made a sort of a W shape, potentially, if it should start to rally. But do you think December was a, was a false rally? No, I think for whatever reasons, whether it's the Chinese data or the Davos meeting saying that the world's going to experience slow economic growth or whatever, it's now given back its gains, but I don't think the macro environment has changed. We will see the interest rate cuts, global growth. Well, look, everything's, uh, as I've said repeatedly, this is a two to three year view, you know, so literally one month or two or three or six doesn't actually make that much difference. But we are at the bottom end of a resource cycle. Interest rates have peaked and they will be falling and global growth and therefore the demand for commodities will pick up over the next two to three years and we should get an extremely good 
resource cycle on the back of that. So, you know, that's still my central thesis. I thought we had sort of passed the top of the interest rate cycle scare or, or the bottom of the resource market was behind us in December, talking specifically about the shares now, yes. and that we would see some improvement, you know, continued improvement, not to the same you know, degree, but some continued improvement in the mining shares getting on this year, but clearly that hasn't happened. So we essentially back to where we started before all the euphoria around the Fed's so-called pivot speech. So it has been disappointing. Yes, I think as as we've said so many times, you tend to get a bit carried away. I noticed the UK was up in arms this morning when its inflation rate went from three point nine to four percent, so a point one of a of, of a point move. And uh, people yeah. saying, "Oh, now don't don't expect your mortgage rates to come down," despite the fact that certain mortgage companies have preempted the Bank of England and cut their uh, mortgage rates. Maybe they were too early. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they were too high in the first place. But, but I, very I think, similar to the US. Yes, similar exactly. to the US. It also went up, not by much, but it went up. Yeah, a tiny amount, and it 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 won't it won't last. In the UK, it was uh, drinks, uh, drinks and tobacco. Uh, US, I don't know what it was, but I I just think people said with the US ten year, I think it went into the three seventies since we yes. since we've spoken, and now back at what four oh five or something like that. But goodness yes. me, it's still a hundred basis points better than it was at some stage in two thousand and twenty three. Yeah. So I'll take that. Well, look. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I agree with you on that. I think that we'll see a resumption of what we saw in December, maybe not to the same degree, but quite possibly to the same degree when we get one or two or three data points that show inflation falling, economic growth slowing, the U.S. labor market turning a bit negative. You know, there'll be some data point or points coming up, I think, that will confirm confirm all of this. Because we've had the cycle, we saw inflation go to ridiculous levels. Like, I think it got to 12% in the UK, didn't it? Uh, it was 11 and a half or something, yes, but very close to yeah, 12 so it's down to 4 now, you know. So that's a clear, that's a clear indicator it's going down. Of course, it's not 2.5 yet. But, you know, high interest rates, and I know my son and my daughter both live in the UK, and... They were they fortunate enough to have fixed mortgage bonds. Well, not fortunate enough. Everyone's got fixed mortgage bonds in the UK, you know, yes. fixed interest rate mortgage bonds. But should they have to renew their mortgage bond now at today's interest rates in the UK, you know, it'll double and double again their installments. So in other words, higher interest rates must have a negative economic impact at some stage. It just simply has got to have it. And I still think there's, you know, we are in the process of an economic slowdown, maybe not a recession, because thank goodness there was no debt bubble. And we've also spoken about this for probably two years now, is the difference between the cycle of increasing interest rates compared to previous cycle is there's no speculative stroke consumer excess debt bubble that's going to be burst by this cycle. There is a debt bubble that will eventually be burst by this cycle, and that's government debt. But that's a very much a long-term story. You know, governments in the U in the US, if you were in, if you were issuing bonds at one percent, I mean that's nothing. 
you know, so every government debt of all major countries, all countries worldwide, not just major countries, their debt has ballooned under the in the environment of extremely low long-term rates. Now, it obviously doesn't happen overnight, but if you've got an average book in the U.S., for example, you probably find their average interest rate for the whole government debt book is below 2%. Yeah. Now that's now 4%. That cost is now 4%. So in other words, your interest bill over the next, let's say there's a 10-year redemption cycle, is going to double that is going to severely affect government's ability to spend like they have been spending. So either they've got to spend less or they've got to raise more taxes, and that's coming. It will come, yes. Not in a not in an election year it won't come, but uh, once uh, once whoever it is is in the White House. No, it's a, it's a, it, it, that thing creeps up from you on behind, from behind, <laughs> and all of a sudden one year, when you look at, when the governments look at these numbers, they're going to say, oh, there's a problem. It's not this year. I agree with you there. Mm. Maybe it's only in three years' time. But any new bond that the U.S. government and the U.K. government issue now, they're no longer paying 1%. They're now paying 4 or 5% for it. And that eventually sneaks up behind you and catches you. It does. And I would imagine one of the first interviews you ever did when you first started in the financial services industry, Wayne, you would have probably said, I mean, look at how much debt the US is piling up. And yet, when it comes to the intelligent, so-called intelligent analyses of this year's election in the United States, they're saying, well, how can the, whoever gets into the White House, how can he ever, or it could be Nikki Haley, how could uh, he or she possibly stop this? Because, But it's been going on for decades the u.s gets uh, gets poorer yes. every year every year yeah look look the u.s is quite unique in that they've got the dollar so whatever negative balance of payments situation if they import more than they export which they've been doing for decades you know the debt or the settlement if you like to call it that remains in dollars so people don't sell dollars because the 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 the, the asset is in dollars you know the transaction value is dollar so the us is in the unique position in that having the dollar they can run these big current account deficits because they settled in their own currency so it's like new york running a deficit with california it's the same as the us running a deficit with china is that those dollars are not sold in the market and converted into another currency. So the U.S. can the U.S. is in a unique position to do that. Any other country, you know, if they if you're running a current account deficit, you know, you got big selling pressure against your domestic currency, which will eventually weaken the currency, which could lead you to a balance of payments crisis. The U.S. is fortunate in that it has the dollar. Of course, who knows in five, ten, fifteen, twenty years time with the BRICS currencies wanting to set up their own reserve currency, you know, that's not a dollar with um, governments worldwide converting some of their dollar foreign exchange reserves into some other currency or some other asset. You know, that might also happen at some stage, but it's not in the immediate future. I can't think that anybody would at the moment be sitting down with the BRICS nations and the... 
additives as well to the BRICS nations whenever they whenever they arrive. Saudi Arabia maybe goes in. I, I don't know, but I cannot see a new currency emerging out of that group of countries because I've heard it all before. I've heard uh, before that uh, once there was going to be an African currency called the Afro, like the Euro, the Afro was going to come along. And that soon, that soon fizzled out, Wayne. And talking about currencies fizzling out, the Rand's 1911, 1912, and I know what you're going to say. You'll say, well, just look at the commodities graph because we are a commodity currency. Anything changed since Christmas Day? No, I mean, other than Christmas Day, it was 1820 or 1830, somewhere around there, in, in that Christmas week. Mm. So it's also reversed all the gains it got after the Fed speech. So, you know, all of this can be quite depressing if, like me, I still think the Rand's massively undervalued and the outlook on a two- to three-year view is the Rand's going to go to 1650 or 17 on the back of a higher commodity cycle. And I certainly thought, and I've proven to be wrong, that we were over the worst in the beginning of December and the RAND strengthened from 1920 through to 1820, 1830. And now we are back to where we were, as I've said a few times now in this interview, mm. you know, at the 19 plus on the back of higher for longer interest rates and, you know, no prospect in the immediate future of a, of a, a turnaround in the commodity cycle. So, yes, we're back to where we were. We are indeed. We've got the Christmas spending period to be reviewed quite soon because it's the time of year when people are looking forward, um, it's, a, it's a presumptuous phrase, looking forward to the retailers' trading statements for the holiday period, Wayne. And given, again, looking at what's happened overseas, uh, perhaps not going to be quite as glamorous as we've been used to in previous years. Possibly, yes. I mean, trading updates are not going to be good. The retail sales came out for South Africa. But this was to November, not December. But, you know, nowadays there's not that big December uh, uh, spending spree in the old days because you've got online, you've got Black Friday, you've got all the specials going on for a few months. But it was quite a negative number. You know, it wasn't a good number. So I don't think the retailers are going to show such good numbers turnover-wise for the quarter or whatever time period to the end of December. And the, the, the ones that the biggest contrib- contributor to this negative number were general retailers. In other words, the supermarkets, the hyperarmers, et cetera, et cetera. So that's not going to be good. We all know the mining shares, their earnings are going to be poor. Yes. But I don't think they'll be much poorer than what they were you know, for the second half of last year, you know, not going to fall another 40% or 50%, but they certainly not going up quite clearly. So that will also be quite poor. And, but that's what you get at the worst stage of a cycle is there's no good news anywhere. You know, this is one of the things I've learned in investments is that when things are going well for an asset class, a sector, a, a share, you don't hear one iota of bad news. You only hear good news. You only hear why it's going to go up and continue to go up. And good news peaks the day before the share price falls. And it's exactly the same, or the, the price falls, not necessarily the share price. Exactly the same at the bottom of the cycle. Don't try and find any good news anywhere. Don't try and find any reason why this should go up. You will only find reasons why it should continue to go down 
and you know the principle's the same. The bad news peaks the day before it turns up yeah, because that's investments and that's psychology. I'm trying to find a tweet or an X rather that uh, I saw earlier today from a woman who follows the stock market uh, mainly technically. It says here, oh, there you go. It was um, it was a day ago. Uh, she says stock market collapses have come out of optimistic high valuation periods, and that's according to the Elliott Wave uh, principle, and was published in 1978. And it went on to say during advancing fifth waves of the of the Elliott Wave, optimism runs extremely high despite a narrowing of breadth. Does that sound familiar? She says she's basically saying just be a bit careful. I think. Yeah, but that would only be in the tech shares. It certainly won't be a case for the mining shares or the South African share market. Let's hope it does. Because there's experience. no excessive. Oh boy, yeah. there's none. I must say it's quite interesting. I haven't heard the words Elliott Wave for maybe 15 years. Yeah, I can remember when I first did in the business, there would be a bloke that would stand Ooh, up. in the 90s, everything yeah. was Elliott Wave. Yeah, and there was a, a bloke with a, with a marker pen and a blackboard, and he would show me the five waves. And I must admit, when it was superimposed on the graph, I think Yes, they, they, I remember him well. They stress, the, they, they, they stress it a bit too much. They're, they're stretching imagination by saying Elliott Wave is following that graph. But apparently it works sometimes. Well, I suppose anything works sometimes, you know. You can... <laughs> pick a person up off the street and say, is the market going up or down? They'll be right 50% of the time. Mm, you'll be arrested 100% of the time as well. But Wayne, let's talk about other things now. Um, I can hear you're slightly concerned in your after the first 17 days. No, look, I've, I've, lived through, I've, lived through, I've, I've lived through, I've lived through this many, many times already. It's never pleasant, but I've, it's not the first time. Okay, well, one of the first, uh, it won't be the, the last time that you've had your Christmas. It won't be the last either. Uh, yeah, no, because uh, I'm sure yours was good. It will be better than mine. I'll get the bad news out, first of all. I got a most beautiful goose, and I followed the recipe to the T with, a, you know, a few little uh, individual uh, traits thrown into that recipe, cooking this goose. And when it got out, it just doesn't look the same. It just, it, and I tasted it, and it's okay, but... I think my geese days are over for, for Christmas and I should never, ever do a dish that I've never done before on a day when other people will eat it. I was very, very disappointed. Well, yeah. How was yours? Now, look, now look that, that's a golden rule. Don't try something absolutely new. Mm. I mean, I've been to a few functions where the person throwing the party thought, oh, I'll do a lamb on the spit. They've never ever done it before and it normally turns out to be a total catastrophe but yes now i had well we had the most fantastic christmas lunch because uh the world's biggest has done well she worked for many years in the food catering cooking kitchen industry with um, some very well-known hotels in south africa durban and up here on the reef yeah. So she so she can cook, and what was we had we only had gammon. We didn't have gammon and and lamb. We only had gammon. Oh, and what a, she found that, was that was a late change. Anyway, go on. Yeah, it was. We had we had we had lamb the next day. Ah, well, that makes um, yeah. And and what she found at Woolies was a pre-sliced but uncooked gammon. Now, to me, gammon has got to be shaved. The slices must be thin. You can't have a 12-centimeter steak of gammon on your plate. It just somehow doesn't taste the same. I agree. So this was pre-sliced. 
in about 1.5 millimeter slices. The whole leg pre-sliced like this, but it was still together as a leg. And then she put all the sauces and the cherries and all the necessary stuff on the gammon in a piece of tin foil in the oven and then for the last 20 minutes opened up the tin foil so that the outside could uh, get grilled. Mm. It was delicious. Did you serve it with a gravy or is it just in its own juices? Oh, no, with these sauces and gravy and the vegetables and the rice and the roast potatoes and the whole lot. And it was, and the best thing was we had leftovers. Of course you did. I mean, this yeah, is so that was delicious. But I came across, I went to visit a friend of mine. We, are, we went to visit friends of ours in Plettenberg Bay, and we went to a place there that's relatively new. Can't think of its name now, but it's a big restaurant with their own like vegetable garden in the front. It's really nice. And they had grilled chicken livers served with Cape Malay curry sauce. That's unusual. Of the most delicious meal I've ever had. Of the most delicious. Really? Because I love Cape Malay. I, I, I truly love Cape Malay. And <laughs> this was good. Please try and find out the name of that restaurant for next time, uh, Wayne. But as usual... I will. It's it's, it's Wellington's or Bollington's or something like that, but I'll look it up. Something under tons. Okay, great. I look forward to that. And uh, Wayne, as usual, you've left me salivating. So I'm going to, especially as I haven't had lunch, so I'm going to go and and, and find something to cook. Wayne, thank you very much on your first day back of, uh, well, to me anyway, of 2024. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.